The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. I'm Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer by trade, but my passion lies in teaching you how you can use negotiation and persuasion to get more of what you want and how to make the difficult conversations in your life easier. Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to give a couple of listener shout outs. I'd like to give a shout out to Katie from Orange County, California, and Michael, a new listener who let me know that the links to my freebies weren't working. So a special thanks to Michael for bringing this to my attention. And if any of you had this same problem, let me know and I'll email those freebies to you directly. So you know I love hearing from all of you. So if you haven't yet, please connect with me on LinkedIn. There's a clickable link in the episode description that takes you straight to my LinkedIn page. So just connect and I'll shoot you a message. I really want to know what kind of topic interest you and LinkedIn is the easiest way for me to connect. And for those of you who are looking for the free negotiation guides from previous episodes, like the negotiation prep guide or the introvert negotiation guide or the car negotiation guide, all of those links are in the description as well. Also, when you get a chance, send me your negotiation wins and I'll share it on the podcast. So today we're speaking to my friend, Matt Fox. Matt is a sales expert with over 20 years of experience in sales and in studying persuasion. In this episode, we talk about how you can use sales skills as an entrepreneur and as an in-career professional. We also talk about the barriers that people face when it comes to sales and persuasions. And lastly, we chat about the similarity between sales and negotiation. This interview was really good for me too, because it really helped me to break through some of my own personal barriers when it comes to sales. So I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. So Matt, thanks for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here, Kwame. Finally, you know, I'm on the other end. I interviewed you and now you get to interview me. I know we're finally coming full circle, So this is going to be cool. So uh, yeah, how about you just give a brief introduction of yourself and then what it is you do? Where to start? Matt Fox. Uh, I write at frictionfreesales.com and I have a podcast called Fail to Learn, which is at failtolearn.com. The main thrust of what I do is I teach sales and marketing. And with the name Friction Free Sales, the whole guys, the idea behind it is to make the sales process or, or in your case, negotiation process as friction free as possible. So you're not having to deal with you know, the objections and the the headaches and, and you have happy people at the end of the purchase or the end of the negotiation. That's the way I like to look at it. You know, they're not feeling beat up, you know. That makes sense. Like the car buying process. Right. And because I know a lot of people feel like they're just, they're looked upon as prey <laughs> and they need to fend off the salesperson. So this is going to be interesting hearing your approach to sales. Get home and need to take a bath and get all the ickiness off of you after you go buy a car, right? <laughs> Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's perfect. This is this is a good start. So how would you tell us a little bit about the importance of uh, having sales skills, both for entrepreneurs and for people who are in career professionals? Well, I mean, it's one of those things that you need it everywhere. Kind of like when we were talking in your interview with the negotiation skills, the sales skills, it's the same things that we do when we're talking to our spouse. It's not you know, the used car example where somebody's trying to twist and manipulate you and just try to take advantage of you this one time. 
it's, you know, you're getting inside their head so you can figure out what they want. So that way you can come to a mutually beneficial result, um, which is hopefully, you know, if, if you're talking about traditional sales, it's hopefully an exchange of dollars for value. You know, you have to give more value than the dollars they're willing to part with. And whether it's, uh, <laughs> as we were talking beforehand, my wife's an attorney, you're an attorney. Um, you know, I, I always joke, my wife wins all the arguments, but, but I can sell her any idea. Um, so, <laughs> so just, I just hope it doesn't turn into the argument phase. Um, cause she's a litigator <laughs> jokingly. I say that. Um, but it's the same, it's the same, it's the same techniques. It's the same strategy. It's listening for the things that aren't being said. Um, asking the right questions so that you can get them moving in the direction that you want. I like it. I don't know if that makes perfectly crystal clear sense, but I think it's critical. I mean, it's one of those skills that it's not taught anywhere. It's just something that most people think they either have it or they don't. Mm -hmm. And it is something that can be learned. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. I like that. And you say uh, that the uh, your goal is to make it as friction-free as possible. Can you tell us about some of the friction that uh, we could experience if, in the sales process if we're not really familiar with how to do it? Well, in my book, there's three types of psychological resistance that everybody experiences. And and we, we all have it at different times. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. No matter whether you're buying or trying to convince yourself to do something even, you'll, you can run into these things. Um, the first one is the resistance to the process, the sales process. So that would be the used car example. Uh, that's the one, you know, every, it's, the, it's the stereotypical sales example that everybody likes to use as a bad buying experience. But, you know, we just recently bought a new car and the whole time I keep thinking to myself, God, I really don't want to do this just because you know the process that's going to be involved, right? The second type of resistance is the resistance to your offer. So that's the, that would be the negotiation offer you know, the initial offer. So there's always going to be some, you know, right. The first rule of negotiation is, you know, always kind of step back when you get the first offer. Right. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of that initial knee jerk reaction that we will often have. Um, but if it is a sales situation, it could be the, the price. Is there value based on the price that you're offering? So in, in ways to deal with that, things like testimonials, uh, you know, sometimes you'll and think about for yourself, a, a product or a course, maybe that you purchased, came across it, you kind of had that little, you know, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's for me type thing. And then you start reading these testimonials and you're going, oh, well, if this idiot can do it, maybe I could. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, this guy was a plumber and, and I'm not, not putting down plumbers, but you start going, well, I'm a pretty smart guy. I guess you know, I could probably do this and maybe it is worthwhile. And so that's one of the ways to deal with the resistance there. Um, and then the third is just inertia. It's just the basic uh, as, as I like to call it, everybody's fat, dumb, and lazy. They don't want to get off the couch to even pick up the phone to call to get their uh, uh, <laughs> the sham wows. You know, yeah. they, they like it, but they're just sitting there going, "Man, you know, the damn phone's way over there. I just can't even get off the couch." So there's this inertia that we're all comfortable in a certain spot. And in a political situation, uh, you know, most of the we just had the elections here, and in most cases, the incumbent just won. In all of the House and congressional uh, seats, the the incumbent one, because people are just lazy. You know, the devil that we know is better than the devil that we don't, right? Mm -hmm. So those are the three types that I talk about in the book. That's fascinating. And w when did the book come out? That's a fine question you asked there. I don't remember when it was. A couple years ago? Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah, this is really interesting to me because, um, in my opinion, sales is like the first part of the negotiation. That's where we start to generate interest for the, the product. And then negotiation is the back end when we're 
we're talking about the details, the how what the deal actually looks like. And um, a lot of times people have the assumption that, oh, Kwame, you're the negotiator. You're great at sales. I'm like, actually, I, I need some work on sales. So this is a really great topic for me. And uh, a number of listeners reached out to me and said, hey, Kwame, if you could get deeper into sales, that would be great. And I was like, well... I'm not going to get deep into sales, but <laughs> I have some friends who can. So I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. Oh, for personally. sure. Personally. I mean, I think they are very, very similar because as we were talking about before, and you said the difference between negotiation and sales, or you think the difference between negotiation and sales is the generating interest part of it. Mm-hmm. And that could be so because I've got to be able to, you know, make you curious to a certain extent. So you kind of want to hear about it. And I think the the most people think the the salesperson is the the slick talker, right? You know, and it has nothing to do. Um, you can use the slick talk, okay? But I think it's more along the similar lines of a good negotiation. You know, what's his name? Chris Voss. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of his book offhand. Yeah, never split the difference. Never split the difference, right? And he talks about it in there is that basically uh, he was talking about winning the negotiation when he went back to business school. When people finally, when they said, what are you doing? And he just goes, well, I'm just repeating back what they're saying and asking a few different questions. And in my opinion, that's kind of what sales is. If you're able to ask the right questions. Now, I'm not talking about sales letter and marketing and, and selling to the masses and, and trying to convince people to vote for you if you're a politician. That, that's a different type of sales. Um, but, you know, face-to-face, belly-to-belly type sales or over the phone or via internet or whatever, it's really trying to get into that person's shoes and present from their point of view so that they feel understood. And that that way you can just turn around and point to your product and go, well, I know where you're coming from. This thing right here is it would, would, would help you out, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, so I think it's very similar. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that's one of my own personal barriers to my efficacy as a salesperson, because I just have that preconceived notion that I'm, uh, it's it's more like marketing and uh, getting out there and being that that slick talker. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I'm that slick of a talker. Maybe this isn't for me. So uh, you're a, you're doing a great job of kind of debunking these uh, these common misconceptions about sales because this makes it seem like it's something that's more accessible to the the common person. <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do think it is very accessible to pretty much anyone. And what's funny is I don't really talk about those aspects of it in the book as much. But uh, the the hard part, and even in negotiation, the hard part is getting out of our own head and trying to get into the the mind of our customer, of getting into the mind of the person that we're negotiating with. And so it is accessible, but it is hard for us as as human beings to get out of our brain The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. 
I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And and put our preconceived notions aside of what we think that they should have and being willing to ask questions that might get a no type thing. Mm. I can use my spouse for an example, since she will probably never listen to this. Thank goodness. We've been married for 15 years now, something like that. And don't tell her I said that 14 years. <laughs> Whoops. You know, she starts to bring something up and instantly in my head, I'm going, Oh man, this means she's going to buy this or that. And I don't really want to spend the money on that right now. That's not something that we need. And so it kind of like, instead of stopping and going, well, what do you mean? Instantly in my head, I, I like I blurt out, go, no, we don't need to get that right now. And you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause I've got this opinion in my head of what I think she's going after and supposed to stopping and, and asking the questions a little bit deeper to find out if that's where she's really going. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest problem most of us have when it comes to any type of sales or, um, negotiation type situation. Interesting. And I'll take a, a quick moment here and say, I was definitely laughing to myself because I think I said that exact same phrase. Oh, my wife's not going to listen to this so I can give this example. Didn't I say that on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Watch us both get burned. Your wife is much busier than mine. <laughs> right. But okay, so let's talk about that. Let's use that as an example. So in, in your wife's situation, in that example, when she says she wants to buy that thing and you say, ah, I don't feel like we need that. From a sales perspective, how would you counsel her through that, that conversation? Oh, that's a tough one for me to get out of my own situation. It's just getting comfortable with asking questions that may go away. You don't want them to go. Mm. Um, I do a lot of training here locally for a company. And one of the things that I always teach them is they need to ask questions. You know, there's the, you got open-ended questions, right? Open-ended versus closed-ended. So everybody thinks you got to ask these open-ended questions. You can't ask closed-ended questions because you might get a yes or a no, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's okay. Because if they tell you no, then you've got a direction that they're ready to move in. So there's nothing wrong with that. I want to know. And so, well, let's do the car example. If I'm looking for a car and the person asks, uh, you know, do you like the, the, the blue car over here or the red one over here? And you kind of look at it, you're, you're pondering for a second. Well, you know, I think I like the blue one better than the red one. And it's just a matter of asking, are you sure? Are you, you know, are you sure you really like the red one? Or uh, actually, here's a better example. And this is the one that I use a little bit more with the company that I deal with here. But first thing asking is, why'd you come in? Why are we talking today? Right. And in the car example is, you know, oh, why'd you choose our dealership? Okay. Um, why ours over, you know, there's hundreds of them here on this, you know, if, you, if your streets like ours here, you know, all those, all the dealerships are in the same little one mile geographic area. Right. And so wh- how come ours as opposed to, you know, the one next door and get them to make a commitment as to why they're there. Hmm. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm getting them to say why they're at our place or why they're choosing this location or why they're considering this option, this offer. Why are they so stuck on this as opposed to choosing this benefit over here? And we want them to kind of make a commitment and plant their feet firmly saying, well, no, I I really want this one. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm choosing this. That makes sense. And it it reminds me of a a questioning technique called... uh, the funnel technique. I'm not sure if that's an official name or just the name I made up for it because it makes sense to me. <laughs> but um, with your opening questions, you're starting kind of broad. And so in your example, it was, why are you here? That could go anywhere. And so then as you start to understand the person's uh, situation and their motivations, you start to narrow your questions, taking them down that funnel. And they, your questions can get more and more specific as you start to get to the heart of the matter. So I think that's a really great example there on how you can start broad with these questions and eventually get down to the specifics in order to figure out exactly what moves them and and what their key interests are. Exactly. Exactly. I I wrote a post on, on, I mean, I had the worst, the worst sales experience and we've all been through or had to sit through something like this is, is a couple of years ago, we were redoing all the landscaping in our yard and I'm like, well, since we're going to be redoing everything in this house, I want to get new windows. The house is from the late 80s, early 90s or something like that. And so I figured we'll redo the windows and get these nice double pane, triple pane, you know, help save for electricity bill because we live in Arizona and it gets really hot here. If you you guys have ever heard of hell, this it gets hotter here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So the windows help keep the air conditioning bill down a little bit in the, in the summer months, which is basically from like March to last week. Um, (laughs) And so um, we called up this company that the neighbors had had the little sign in the yard, said they got new windows. So I called the people up, said, come on out. The guy comes up, opens up the door and he goes, are you Matt? And I say, are you? I go, yes. Are you Bob? And and that was like the extent of his questions. Oh my. <laughs> are you Matt? I come walking in. I go, yeah. I go, you know, here, let's sit down at the kitchen table. And he flips out his little iPad, puts it down and got a little flip presentation here. And if, if anybody's been in old school sales types, you know, they give you like a little flip chart presentation and you say things as you go through the little presentation and hopefully at the end the customer buys and then you deal with objections if they don't. And I mean, he didn't even ask, why are you thinking about getting new windows? Like that would be the first question out of my mind, sitting down at the kitchen table, look out the window, go, wow, uh, why are you thinking about getting new windows? I mean, these seem to keep out the bugs and I can see through them. (laughs) I mean, he didn't even ask. Oh man. And he just starts going on about the company and like five minutes into it, not even that long, but I just go, I don't care. I just tell me about the windows. I just want to know about the windows. And that was, I mean, like he asked me about three questions throughout the entire thing and that was it. Oh my God. The other one was, uh, the other one was, do you want to see the windows? I'm not sure. Go get one. Bring it in here. <laughs> Anyhow. See, that's funny. Cause if, if any of the listeners out there are like me, they're having some flashbacks here because I've. I've been caught in a couple of those. I remember one was a network marketing type of deal, and I just was I was trapped oh. at this uh, this coffee shop looking at this guy's iPad. And then the other one, I, we were traveling to the <laughs> Bahamas, and this guy came up to us. He's like, "Hey, do you want to go to a free rum party?" I was like, um, "How could that be a bad thing? Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do this." <laughs> and so my wife and I we went to this uh, this quote free rum party and then uh, they give us this this watered down alcohol and then but it, there was a lot of a, a lot of it because they wanted to <laughs> lower our defenses and we had to sit through this hour plus long timeshare presentation oh. like oh my gosh the sun is setting 
on my time here in, in the Bahamas and I'm here at this this farce of a rum party listening to this uh, timeshare presentation. So, yeah. And you're like, and I'm in another country and I don't know the laws. Are the doors locked? Am I going to get out alive if I don't buy? <laughs> exactly. And that's terrible. So so how can we as uh, as people who are trying to influence others, how can we avoid being that, that stereotypical salesperson, the one who kind of just traps people and you're just kind of stuck there, the captive audience? How, how can we... Um, make sure that we don't get that bad rap as a salesperson. It really is about asking questions. Mm. It, I mean, it's all about asking the questions and it comes down to being able to listen to the things that aren't being said. Um, if, you know, we've all seen the, uh, the, the, you know, the police drama where the, the person is in the, uh, the interrogation room and the, the person's asking them, you know, so, so how did you drive home? on uh, Tuesday night or how did, how did you go home on Tuesday night? The, the night of the, whatever, what happened? And he says, well, uh, I usually take main street and then I take a ride on first street and then take a third on central way. And then my house is over there on the left. Okay. And the, the key word there was usually, I usually travel this way. Well, that isn't the way he said that he went on Tuesday night. Mm. That's the way he usually goes. And so it's listening for these little things that aren't being said. You know, as an attorney, you know, in deposition, you've got to listen for things that aren't being said and figure how to question those. And people aren't intentionally lying like they might be in an interrogation room <laughs> to, to cover their butt. But they say things that the way that we express the things that are going on in our head are, is the words that we use. And so being able to listen to little things. I hate to use this example, but it's a, it's a great example. Trump's campaign slogan, make America great again. If it was just make America great, it would have zero power. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's that word again. And nobody questioned it. Nobody questioned it. What does he mean by again? Is he talking about a hundred years ago where women couldn't vote and racism was everywhere? Or are we talking about, uh, you know, before Obama was in office when Bush was an, you know, what, you know, what does he mean by again? Mm -hmm. How do you define that? How do you define that? And so it's asking little questions on things like that. So when somebody says something like that, well, I just want to make America great again. Well, what do you mean? How so? How's it not great? You know, and just being more curious and trying to dive in, uh, instead of looking for our turn to talk. Right. Really, really listening. That makes sense. I, I like that. And, uh, it, it really goes to show that, um, you, you always have to focus on the person that you're talking to. Like what are their key interests? What are their needs? And what are their wants? And the only way that you can find that is by taking the time to listen to to what they're saying genuinely, and not listen only for the opportunity to make a quick response. <laughs> you know, you have our mm -hmm. auto responses in the in their back pocket. Like oh, I can't wait for him to say X Y Z because I have that response. It's like <laughs> genuinely re waiting to hear what they have to say and um and and adjusting based on that. So yeah, I think that's a really great point. And it's so funny. Well, it's it. This is just like negotiation. Oh yeah, that's why I say I think they're they're hand in glove. They're they're they just fit together so perfectly. Um, and and you know I gotta say for me to be sitting here and answering these questions without asking a question back is weird. <laughs> it's like it's something I have to force myself to do. I, it's so many times that I sit with people and they, because I'm so used to just asking questions and being, it's, it's just a thing where you, you got to be genuinely curious about the people that you're talking to and not be afraid to ask questions. That's what it really comes down to is 
not censoring yourself. Think of yourself like a little kid. You know, little kids aren't afraid to ask, you know, where did, where did babies come from mm-hmm. and make, make adults uncomfortable. Have you ever heard of, my son has the, uh, uh, the dangerous book for boys. He got that last year. And there's a, there's a game in there called the yes, no, the yes, no game or the question game or something like that. Hmm, not familiar. And the game is basically is you ask questions and the person has to answer quickly. They're not allowed to pause and they can't answer the same way twice and they can't answer with a yes or a no. Wow. Okay. And so if somebody asks you a question, you can't not answer it unconsciously. Right. <laughs> See, <laughs> I just asked you a question, didn't I? <laughs> so training ourselves to, to be able to ask questions sit there quietly and wait for the response is something that I think a lot of people, they don't have the, uh, the force of will, um, the fortitude, you know, what's inside, they get nervous. And so they start to fill in the questions or they start to answer for them. And so, uh, I mean, that's like a, that's a great game to start with people to, to, to just see how many times you can ask questions. The yes, no game is great for kids because, (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's little separation between their conscious and unconscious. So when you ask them a question, you, like my daughter, my younger daughter, she just, you see, start twisting going, I don't think that would be a good idea <laughs> as opposed to saying no, you know, she's like twisting because she, you know, she wants to just say no, but she's trying to figure out a way to not say no. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I like that. So just asking the questions is, is the biggest thing there. I think it reminds me of an exercise I put people through when, uh, let me not say put people through. That sounds negative. <laughs> An exercise that I have people do when they're in my uh, negotiation seminars. And uh, the exercise is you have to ask one question and the person responds for a minute, 60 seconds. You can't say anything. And then in when the other person's talking and then at the end of the 60 seconds, you need to parrot back what the person says. And so it forces you to listen intently without interruption. And then at the end, you prove your listening by summarizing and the person has to let you know that you did okay. And it's so hard for people to do that. It's for, for the listener, it feels like an eternity, 60 seconds. <laughs> you know, it's tough for many people, but it's, it's one of the best skills you can develop if you want to be great at negotiating and, and better at sales. I think that's an improv skill. Yeah. Uh, or something that comes out of improv training, if I remember correctly. Another one that you might want to incorporate also is, and this is one that I like to do with people, is I'll have them ask like the closing question, you know, is there anything else you need to know before we get you started today? And then neither one of them are allowed to speak. They just have to sit there and be with each other and time that and, and try to have them sit there for a minute before anybody's allowed to say yes or no. And And you can see, I mean, the typical salesperson just wants to go, I, I can give you a discount if you do it now. <laughs> you know, they, they, because there's that uncomfortable silence. They want to fill it. Somebody wants to fill it. Right. And that's, it's interesting because it's like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's so painful psychologically a lot of times for somebody to sit there in silence, but there's a lot of action happening in silent moments in the negotiation or a conversation or a sales pitch, because um, in our minds, we fill that gap with a list of horribles. It's like I ask the question, they're silent. It's probably because they hate me. They hate the price. They think the product's stupid. What can I do? And <laughs> But really, in their mind, we don't know what's going on. No. What might be happening is they might say, oh, should I start today or should I start tomorrow? Um, this is a really fair price. What should I do? And then if as they're thinking, you, like you said, somebody could jump in and say, well, you know, but if you can't do that price, we can do a discount. 
Right. Like, oh, well, where did that come from? And uh, oh. a lot of times we let people. Hey, maybe if I sit here quiet a little bit longer, I might get more. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's the, that's the classic example of negotiating against yourself where you do their job for you or you just you you give your you you prevent yourself from getting all the information you can and you end up shooting yourself in the foot because the goal is to learn through these conversations. And whenever you're talking, it's unlikely that you're learning. All you're doing is repeating what you know. Exactly. (laughs) Every time you talk. (laughs) Exactly. So I think we probably covered a couple of these, but in your experience, what are some common mistakes you've seen people make in their sales process? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's basically it is, is not asking the right questions or not asking deep enough questions, not really listening, not paying attention. And the other one is that when they do start it, like if they start off the conversation and they start off asking questions, not sitting there quietly and waiting for the person to respond. And that's something that, uh, I see that a lot where, where people, they ask the question and it's, you know, like, it's like, like, like you were just saying, the, the customer is sitting there kind of quietly and then they kind of, they, maybe they'll throw out an answer or they try to help an- the customer answer it and give them a couple options to answer it as opposed to waiting for them to answer it. Mm. And, and every time, so, so when you ask a question, you need to, to be blunt, you need to shut up. <laughs> okay. And, and just wait, just sit there, be with the person and wait. And because what you're doing is you're training them that you'll sit there, you're comfortable, you can sit there as long as you need to until they're going to answer the question. I think my dog, training my dog, um, we got a puppy last year and been working with them. These principles apply to humans as they apply to dogs. Um, If you just, you know, give the command and wait. And once he does the command, then reward him. But I can sit here all day. And and if he wants to walk off, then he doesn't get the reward. Mm. Um, but it's the same thing with asking a question. Like I said, we got to sit there quietly and wait for the answer. And then, you know, you ask another question and that, that time, that gap in time will start to decrease over time as they start to realize it's uncomfortable. And so until they answer, that's their reward. Okay. But the critical part is, is when it comes to the end of the, the sales process or the negotiation and we got down and, and we have the deal all ironed out and is this good enough? Are we ready to go ahead with this? And if you have been filling in the answers every time, when it comes to the really critical question, they're not going to feel the pressure as opposed to if you were silent every question, they're going to feel that pressure right there where they're going to have to go yes or no. Mm, I like that. So like, so, you know, it's the Pavlov dog thing. Right. You got to train them, train them to answer your questions. Right. <laughs> I love it. This is, this is perfect. I'm, I'm here taking notes. <laughs> this is good. So um, we're coming up on time, but before you go, um, what is one tip that you would give to our listeners to help them to be more persuasive or influ- influential? And I know we covered questions a lot, but what's something else that they could do? I like the yes, no game. Mm-hmm. The one thing that they could do is go out and try to make other people's lives happier. Do what you can to make other people happy. Pra- if you want to practice influence skills, that's the one thing you could probably do the most is is just go out and you're checking out at the grocery line as you start talking. My wife always laughs because every time we go up to the grocery line, it's like, hey, how much fun are you having today? <laughs> and what's the presupposition in there is that it's, it's, I'm asking them how much fun they're having. Not are they having fun, but how much? And so they kind of have to think about it for a second, which is a little bit weird. And they kind of go, uh, you know, I'm at work, so it's not that bad. Well, good thing I'm here. You know, fortunately, we can have a better day now, you know, or something like that. Just do little things to brighten people's day and you'll you'll be surprised at the, the questions that you can ask and the things that you can do to uh, if you can if you can influence somebody to make them just a little bit happier 
You can influence people to buy your stuff. I love it. I love it. And you know what? Because I know you before doing this interview. Um, the thing that I love about this is that what I'm seeing is that in your style, you are 100% you. You don't try to conform to what people should do or shouldn't do or anything like that or try to be the, the corporate Matt Fox. You are the <laughs> Matt Fox in everything. So I appreciate that. And I hope everybody realizes that authenticity and the power it could have when it comes to uh, being persuasive. But if you ever meet me, this is probably the most talkative, I'll be, unless you get me started on this stuff, but usually I'll come back and start asking you what you're doing because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out what other people are doing. I, I usually ask a lot more questions. Ask my wife. She's just as surprised how quiet I can sit all the time and talk when people are talking. That's funny. <laughs> I'm usually this quiet, shy looking guy. But that's your skill. I mean, because you ask great questions and you're a good listener. Thank you. My pleasure. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really great. I know this is going to be good for the audience, and I know it was great for me personally. So uh, thank you again for coming. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're finding this information helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. My goal is to teach these skills to as many people as possible, and leaving a review helps our search results, which helps us to reach more people. Success and failure is determined by how well we handle the critical conversations in our lives. My job is to help you to make these difficult conversations easier while getting you more of what you want in the process. I've had the opportunity to work with a wide variety of professionals, including lawyers, entrepreneurs, warring business partners, and professionals trying to climb the corporate ladder. I do this through a simple three-step process, analyze, strategize, and practice. So first we analyze the situation to get a lay of the land and understand what we're dealing with. Then we use the information from our analysis to create a customized strategy for your situation. And then we practice, which will give you the confidence you need to stand firm when the heat is on in these difficult conversations. If you don't prepare properly, you run the risk of missing out on these critical opportunities. Remember, negotiation is the art of deal discovery, not deal making. I will help you to find the best deal possible and I'll teach you how and when to walk away from a deal that's bad for you. Sometimes the worst outcome in a negotiation is a deal that should never have been made. By the end of this process, you're going to feel confident in your ability to perform and you will have put yourself in the best position to succeed. If you'd like to work with me, all you need to do is shoot me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn and we can get started. But in the meantime, please check out all of the free resources we have at the website, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week and I'll catch you in the next one.